Amen. Alrighty, so remember that for the past few weeks, we've basically been speaking on how to uh, stir up the spirit within us and how to be alive and awoken spiritually. And we've been talking about six disciplines that every Christian or every child of God needs to practice in order to keep that spirit going and in order for the life of God to flow in us and through us. And so uh, I don't know if you remember those six. I'm going to name them real quick and we'll jump right in. Well, at least I'll name the first ones. But I gave an intro uh, on this series. And basically, uh, we've talked about the Word of God. In other words, as we study the Word of God, that is the food that our spirit feeds off. And that's what we need in order to keep our spirit alive. Uh, secondhand, we spoke on prayer. And we talked about, I taught on deep prayer and how to connect to the Spirit of God in order to digest the Word of God. And if you read the Word and study the Word without prayer and without allowing the Spirit to interpret that Word and teach you the Word and give you understanding and wisdom based on the Word, then you're going to get pretty confused or sleepy or tired or not get it. And I've heard many people say that's what happens when they read the Bible. But God wants to teach you the Word, and this happens through prayer. Uh, another one of the things that we spoke on was praise, right? And what praise means, that is to exalt God, His attributes, how praise is God's tool in order to build faith. And uh, we also spoke on last week, and we're going to continue on that this week. We're going to be speaking on worship. And so worship, uh, according to what we spoke on last week, it's an attitude of surrender. It's when you basically acknowledge God in that area of your life and you say, God, I can't do it without you. I need you. I want you. I need your help. I need your encouragement. I need your guidance. I don't know how to do this. So in other words, worship equals surrender. Right? It, surrender is the greatest act of worship that a person can have. And another thing that I spoke on last week was basically that worship is an interior thing or it's a spiritual thing that manifests in physical form. And what I mean by that is because sometimes we think that worship is, and, and what a lot of Christians believe is that worship is the slow music that we play during a service. And it's not the slow music or a lot of people say, oh, I worship because I lift my hands or I worship because I did this or I did that. But the reality is that Worship is not what we do outwardly, or in other words, what we do with our bodies. Worship is an attitude of the heart. Worship is an inner uh, decision, right, and an inner condition that, yes, it does manifest exteriorly. But, for example, you might be able to raise your hands but be thinking, like, yo, what time is this guy going to finish? I'm so hungry, right? And you're not really worshiping. Or maybe you're saying in there, you're like, oh, you know, I... I gave this much, but you have anger and maybe you have unforgiveness towards somebody. And so that's not really worship. It's even so much so that the Bible tells you, leave your offering of worship on the side. Go fix things with your neighbor. And when you have the right heart about it, then go and worship. So in other words, God is not looking at what we do outwardly. He's looking at the condition of our heart. And so worship starts inside. And the reason why I'm making an emphasis on the fact of worship is because uh, today is worship part two. Right? I want to teach you another way to worship uh, that, that is a very deep way, a very spiritual way, uh, according to Scripture. And so, uh, what we're going to be talking about today, I call it praying in the Spirit. What are we talking about? Praying in the Spirit. Alrighty. And so, one of the things that I want to clarify in regards to this, 
uh, at, at least from my biblical understanding. I know other people have different interpretations, but I'm, I'm going to put this out there just so to make a distinction. I understand two different things that the Bible talks about. One of them is the gift of tongues, okay? And another thing is praying in the Spirit. Why do I say this? Because not everybody has the gift of tongues. You know, the spiritual gifts, according to the Bible, God gives them to all the believers, but the Spirit gives it according to how He wants to give it. In other words, one person might have the gift of faith. Another person might have a gift of miracles. Another person might have a gift of discernment. Uh, You know, we have different gifts according to Scripture. And uh, some people have the gift of tongues. I don't think everybody has the gift of speaking in other tongues or in other languages. But I do believe everybody can pray in the Spirit. Okay, and I'm going to explain to you why as we go along in the service. But I, uh, for example, just to give it a little bit of further explanation, because when I talk about speaking in tongues or praying in tongues, I'm not necessarily referring to the gift of tongues. I am referring, however, to praying in the Spirit. And so, in, uh, for example, in Acts chapter 2, uh, the Spirit came down over them. And the Bible says that they received tongues of fire. And everybody came out and they were speaking a different language. And they ministered to the people that were there in the city in their own language. You, do you remember that? If you ever read the Bible. If not, um, it's in Acts chapter 2. You can look it up yourself. So a lot of people say, well, what we do in church is fake. It's not biblical. I said, why? Because we don't speak other languages that other people understand. And yes, that's fair. Uh, We're not speaking other languages that people can understand. That was the gift of tongues. And the purpose of the gift of tongues is for you to be able to communicate the gospel in another language so people can hear the message, so they can repent, so they can turn away from their wicked ways and come to the Lord. And I have, by the way, witnessed and experienced the gift of tongues in many of the places that I've been to. Uh, I I have had the opportunity to be a missionary in uh, many countries around the world and do evangelistic crusades and campaigns and reach and speak to many people. And although I personally have never spoken in a language that I don't know, I have witnessed it and I have heard many testimonies and I know people and friends who God has given him that ability. And even though they did not speak a particular language, they started speaking that language as they began to minister to other people. And so the gift of tongues is alive and well. It works still. And, uh, and God still uses it in many communities and in many places where people don't speak the language. But that is the purpose of the gift of tongues, is just to communicate the gospel. It's not for you to talk to God or for you to talk, uh, you know, just randomly or for fun. It's actually to communicate the gospel. So I'm not going to speak too much on the gift of tongues, but I did want to make the distinction so you understand what it is and what it's for. What I am speaking, though, however... It has to do with praying in the Spirit. And the Bible many times refers to it as speaking in tongues or praying in tongues or worshiping in tongues. Okay? So when I mention that, I'm talking about praying in the Spirit. That's the two distinctions. You get it? Two different things. Okay. So today we're going to talk about praying in the Spirit or speaking in tongues. And so uh, I want you to go with me. Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. We're going to go from there. Chapter 8 of Romans, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Okay? New Living Translation, and it reads like this. Uh, verse 26, I'm starting. 26 and 30, and sorry, 27. I'm going to break it up in pieces, and I'm going to be explaining it to, uh, to you. I'm going to be dissecting it, per se. So don't get lost. Stay with me, and then we'll read it all together. But we're going to go bits and pieces. So it says, verse 26, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our... It's in the screen, if you want to read it with me. The Holy Spirit helps us where? In our weakness. 
Okay? The word there, the biblical word that is used there, because I don't know what weakness means to different people. Right? Everybody has a different concept or understanding of what weakness is. But the Bible is saying, uh, the Holy Spirit helps us, and in the original it says, astheneia. Okay? That's the original word. It's a Greek word. The Holy Spirit helps us in our astheneia. What is astheneia? Basically, it's a physical weakness, a mental weakness, or a spiritual weakness. Okay? And I wanted to, to, to put that out there because you might think weak. Oh, I'm weak physically. You know, oh, I, I'm not strong. Or no, I just can't do it. I suck. You know, I don't know what you conceive as weakness. But I want you to get the biblical concept of where the Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to help you when you're spiritually weak. When you're physically weak, in other words, when you're sick in areas or parts of your body, or when you are uh, mentally weak, emotionally, you know, uh, whatever, exhaustion, whatever it is you're going through, it also means an area of need. So in other words, he wants to help you in your area of need. Another one is vulnerable. So God wants to help you where you are vulnerable. Do you understand what vulnerable is? People that have a, a tendency or a leniency to fall to certain things or, or they're easily deceived or, or easily, you know, you know, tangled into a situation. That is where you're vulnerable or an area where you fall. Okay? Another one is an area where you need treatment and where you need help. So all of that to say the Holy Spirit wants to help you in your physical weakness, your mental weakness, your spiritual weakness. He wants to help you in your area of need. He wants to help you in the areas where you are a vulnerable person. He wants to help you wherever you need treatment or wherever you require help. In other words, he wants to help you in many, many, many things. Do you have weaknesses? Do you struggle with things? Do you have vulnerabilities? And do you have certain needs or areas where you need treatment? I think all of us do, right? It'd be a lie to say that we don't struggle or face something. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit wants to help us in all of these areas. That's a powerful thing. That's a great thing. Now, I want you to check this out. Tying it to what we spoke on last week. I was speaking on worship. And I said that worship is surrender, right? Surrender, it's basically when you say, God, I need you. I can't do it. I need your help. You know, I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to manage this. Or I can't handle this temptation without you. I don't know how to get out of this situation, right? That's surrender. From a biblical standpoint, surrender equals to worship. How do we worship? We surrender an area of our lives. Having said that, for example, if you ever met somebody who's just coming to the Lord, most people give their life to Jesus in a time of crisis. Not everybody, but the majority of people. And it's usually in an area where they're so broken, they're so hurt, they don't know what to do, they're desperate, and they just say, God, help me. For example, if somebody's marriage is tanking, right? Just marriage just sucks. And they're about to get voiced, they're like, God, just help my marriage, restore it. I'll do whatever you want. I'll change. Forgive me. I don't know what to do. And they go and seek for help. They surrender that area of their lives. Usually what happens God intervenes and he restores that area where that person has surrendered, right? Now, why do people see miracles and they see the move of God in one area of their life, but not in others? You know, we think, oh, God's pretty selective. But the reality is, because sometimes there's areas where we truly surrender. In other words, there's areas where we are in worship and there's areas where we don't. There's areas where we ask for help. I'll give you an example. You might say, well, God... 
help me in my business or God help me in my finances, for example. But you might not be in total surrender. And what I mean by total surrender is we're not doing it his way. We're not doing what God is asking us to do. We're not living biblical principles or things as such. And so even though we're asking for help, we're not necessarily in worship in that area of our lives. You understand? We, can, we only worship with the area of our lives that is aligned to the standards of God. But there's other areas that we just do it our way. In relationships, in dating, in courting. Many of us are not doing it God's way. We're doing it our way and we're asking him to bless whatever it is that we're doing. What's going to happen? God will not move and the Spirit of God is not going to be able to help us in that area. Do you understand? Why? Because according to what we just studied, where is the Spirit of God going to help you? In your area, not only of weakness, but in the area where you acknowledge that you need Him. Do you understand it? The Spirit of God is going to help you in the areas you acknowledge that you need Him. He's going to help you in the areas you surrender. So what happens to the areas you don't surrender? Sorry, buddy, I can't help you there. I love you, but I can't do nothing for you. Why? Because you're doing it your way. If you want God to work, it's... God's pretty much like this. You probably have heard the saying before, but it's my way or the highway, right? In other words, you either do it like God says or it's a no-go. Now, thank God he doesn't do that in general terms. He does it per area, right? Because if he did it in general terms, we probably wouldn't even be near God because we suck. We fail so much. But because he does it in specific areas, sometimes... And I don't know if you heard this before, but uh, there's a saying that goes, you either learn by revelation, by humiliation, or by crushing. Yeah, thank you so much. I was going to say <laughs> Yeah, by, by being crushed. So having said that, sometimes God shows you something or you learn something about God. And you, by revelation, you decide and you say, you know what, God, I'm doing this all wrong. I want to do it your way. I'm sorry. You repent and you start doing it different. That's revelation. Sometimes we don't learn by revelation. And so what happens is we find ourselves in certain situations where our pride is broken, where things are not going our way. We're like, God, I give up, man. This sucks. And, you know, you're being humbled or we call that humiliation. Sometimes when that doesn't happen, you're crushed. You know, there's a song that goes, I'm crushed but not destroyed. But sometimes we are crushed. We're like, God, I'm so broken. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. There's nothing. And God comes and he does something. Now question, if you could pick who would like to see God move in their life, see miracles, power, favor, I think we all would, right? Now, you have a choice. You either do it by revelation. You do it by being humbled down. Or when you're destroyed. Who picks destroyed? I personally don't want to get destroyed. I don't even want to be humble. I'd rather just kind of do it because, hey, I learned a better way to do things. I'm going to pick this way. Now, why am I saying this? God can only help you in the areas where you give up. Do not wait to be crushed in order to give up. You know you could just give up without even fighting. You say, okay, I give up. You know, some people are soft. <laughs> I'll give you an example of somebody who's in a fight. It's like, hey, I'll fight you. I'll be like, okay, you win. I, I don't want to get punched in the face. I used to. I used to fight a lot. But now, you know what? Whatever, you win. I'm not going to fight you. You know, some people say, okay, I'll fight you. I don't care if I get beat up. Some people are going to get murdered. Like, don't wait for the enemy to crush you in order to give in to what God is teaching you. 
Because it's not God who crushes you. It's Satan. Why does he have power over us? Why, does he, why is he able to crush us? Why is he able to put us in certain situations? Simply because we're doing it not God's way. Therefore, he has access or authority into our lives. Where I'm trying to go with this is that whatever we're doing in our lives and where, however we choose to live in the different areas of our lives that is not aligned to what God says, that's pride. And pride is not worship. It's actually the opposite. Humbleness and, 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 and surrender is doing it God's way. You can surrender voluntarily again. You can surrender by being humble. Or you can surrender by being crushed. I'll give you another example. The Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, right? That's what the Bible says. Now, do you know some people do it voluntarily? If you're sitting in this room, you've probably done it already. You chose to do it. Do you know there's people that on their way to hell, they're going to get resurrected for judgment, and they're going to be forced to kneel before the king and say, Jesus, you are the Lord. But now they're not doing it for salvation. They're doing it for punishment. That sucks. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to be in that position. But where I'm going with this is it's going to happen no matter what. You're going to have to acknowledge that God was right. You choose how easy it's going to go. Having said that, the prerequisite for the Holy Spirit to move in your life and to glorify himself in a particular area of your life is to surrender that area of your life to God. It's to say, God, I don't know how to do this. God, I can't do it on my own. God, I just, I need you. And look, you don't have to be crushed in order to reach that place. I'll give you an example. Have you ever heard of King Solomon? Solomon, he was a governor. He was a king for the people of Israel. And he was doing pretty good. They had money. They were winning wars. They, you know, they had a good status. They were doing all right. And the Lord shows up one day to Solomon. He says, Solomon, ask me for anything you want. I'll give it to you. He wasn't in his bad time. He was in his good times. And he actually prays this. He says, God, give me the wisdom to govern your people. Right? So, and the reason why I'm saying this is because sometimes, like if, no, the people have left me. My army's divided. We're crushed. This kingdom sucks. We're falling apart. We're on a lifeline. Give me wisdom. Right? That would, that's probably what most of us would do. No, he did it in the best of times. He said, I don't care how good I think I'm doing this. I need you, God. Give me the wisdom to do this. What I'm saying is, is don't wait to be in the worst of times to surrender to God. Just surrender. And in that area where you surrender, in that area where you have humbleness, and in that area where you give in, God will come and help. The Holy Spirit will manifest because the Bible is telling us He will manifest in our weakness in our, or, or in our area of need. Let Him know that you need Him. That is worship. So a person who's a worshiper, and I said that last week, a true worshiper is he who understands that everything was made by God, is sustained by God, and it's for God. And therefore, they live that way in every area of our lives. Be a great worshiper. Why? It is a true worshiper that will experience the greater glory of God. Have you ever heard people telling testimonies like, the Lord spoke to me, God showed me this, I was in a dream or in a vision, and I felt the presence of God, and an angel showed up, and I had a visitation, and you're just listening like, shut the heck up, bro, yeah, right. You know, and it's easier for us to doubt that some people experience God than for us to say, hey, I want to experience God too. Most people are doubters. They cast a shadow of a doubt on those people. And they say, you're just a fanatic. 
you're you're talking smack. No. It's actually true. Did you know that God want to visit everybody? The Spirit of God wants to come upon people. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, I want to pour out my spirit upon every flesh. So it is God's desire to visit people. It is God's desire to speak to people. It is God's desire to, to fill you with glory. But what is that which disables us from doing so? Not acknowledging that we need God. So God wants us to be true worshipers. God wants us to live in a continuous state of humbleness. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, it says, The sacrifice I desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Another translation says, A humble and contrite heart. That's basically saying, God dwells, God lives, God glorifies himself in your brokenness. And not that he wants to see you broken, but you can just break yourself down. You surrender. You humble yourself and you say, God, even though I might be doing a good job, I think I can do it better if you just help me. I think you can give me greater wisdom. I think you, you, you can show me a better way. I want to do it your way, not my way. You know, when we pray, we usually pray wrong. Uh, and and, and let, me, let me just continue to read a little bit of the verse, and I'll go into this. But the Bible is telling us the Holy Spirit helps us in our asthenia, which I already explained what that is. And it goes, for example, and look at the example. When we don't know how to pray. Now, I, I'll make a, a parenthesis here, or in brackets. It's saying, for example. Why is it saying, for example? Because this is not the only way that the Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us in many other ways. He brings conviction of sin. He speaks. You know, there's so many other ways that he, uh, that he moves. But here it's saying, for example, this is one of the ways, and it's one of the greatest ways that he does it. It says, when we don't know how to pray. Now you might say, well, I always know what to pray. I, I pray sick. I'm really good at praying. You suck. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> Check this out. The Bible says this in the book of James. It says, you don't receive because you don't ask. And if you do ask, you ask wrong. On a percentage basis, being honest, how many of your prayers get answered? How many of your prayers get answered? I'm going to tell you mine. It's not high. It's probably like 25%. Like I've prayed for so many things in my life, and I still haven't seen them come to pass. So we have a problem here. Either God is lying and he's not true, and he doesn't do jack, or I'm praying wrong. Now, I've come to understand as I've matured and grown in the Lord that I pray wrong. For example, most of you are not married here, but you've probably seen your parents. And so, when they have a marital problem, usually how are you praying? God, change my wife. She's so impatient. She's not a thankful person, and she just doesn't understand me, and she doesn't value my hard work. I'm going to be praying for her so God really touches her. And the wife is on the other side praying, Father, just change my husband. He has a hard heart. He just doesn't understand me. He just doesn't know how to love. He's just not caring. He's not the same guy he used to be. You know, and you're basically asking God to change the other person. And guess what happens? Usually nothing. Why? Because the other person is not the problem. You're the problem. And what God wants to do first, the will of God, is not to change the other person. God wants to start with you. Do you know why? Because even if God were to change the other person, if you don't change, you're going to mess them up. Do you know you could get a real nice person and get them messed up? 
You can. Why? Because we don't know how to do things. You want an example of this? Look at kids. They're blank. They have no information. And we raise them, and then they're like all messed up. Who did that? You did it, right? Whoever raised the kid. Having said that, we need to change before the other person changes. So many times God doesn't answer that prayer. You know what happens? You go into such bad situation where the marriage is not getting better. You're about to get a divorce. And you're like, hey, God, I'll do whatever you want. God, I just need you. And then he addresses your problems. You need to forgive. You need to be humble. You need to be kind. You're going to lead by example. And when you start doing those things, the marriage starts getting better. Why? Because God is now helping you. Why? Because he's not answering whatever you prayed before. He's answering a correct prayer now, which is a prayer according to his will. Do you understand? So many times we ask for things. Like, for example, when I was in Toronto, I'm like, God, let me move to Miami. It's really warm. God said, go to Calgary. I'm like, what? That's a change of plans. But why didn't he let me go over there? Well, it wasn't his will. At least not for now. Maybe later. I don't know. But what was his will? One day I said, God, I'll go wherever you take me. And the Lord said, come to Calgary. You know, I didn't even know where Calgary was. I, the only thing I've ever heard of Calgary is that people move here. They get so cold, they move back. <laughs> right? I didn't know anything about it. I never prayed to move here. But when I prayed where I wanted to move, it didn't happen. You know when God moved me? When I said, I'll go wherever you want me to. And then God said, okay, now you're ready. Where I'm going with this is that we don't know how to pray. And when we think we're praying a pretty good prayer, it usually sucks. God's like, dude, I can't answer that. I don't know if you watch this movie. It's a movie called Bruce Almighty. Uh, so he's just complaining to God all the time. Things uh, Jim Carrey, I, I believe. And he's complaining to God because he, God, like, you know, you don't listen, you don't answer, like all these things. God says, hey, do you want to give it a try? So he becomes God for like a day. He screws up the world. He has like typhoons, tsunamis, like he just messed everything up. That's probably what would happen if God answered all of our prayers. We would get ourselves into problems. Having said that, the Holy Spirit doesn't just help us in our area of need. He helps us in our area of surrender and in the areas where we say, I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it God's way. Because the job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us the will of the Father. Do you know God's will is perfect, pleasing, and good, the Bible says? And so you don't need for God to do the things you want Him to do. You need God to show you the things that He wants to do in your life. And when you believe Him, when you align to them, that's a much better thing, okay? So having said that, the Bible says, when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit helps you. Now, how does He help us? I actually think this is funny. If you go to verse 26, it's saying, so I want to read to you the verse again. I, I want to give you a lot of context, and I want to read the verse to you again with this understanding. So the Bible is saying, uh, so it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our area of weakness. For example, when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. Or he prays for us with, how does he pray? With groaning. Now, this is funny. You're like, God, I need some money. And he starts groaning. It's like, yo, what the heck? <laughs> That's an unexpected answer. Uh, what I mean by this is sometimes when we're praying, like, you want a miracle. Like, I need money. You want money to show up, right? God, fix my marriage. You want the other person to change. God, give me some documents. You, you want immigration to say yes. But usually God doesn't answer the way that we want to be answered. The Bible says, I'm going to help you. How am I going to help you? With groanings. 
You're like, what the heck? I'm going to help you praying for you. Have you ever had this where you needed a favor or you're in a bad situation and you tell somebody and they're like, I'm going to pray for you? You kind of get upset, right? You're like, dude. It's like, yeah, bro, I'm so broke right now. I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, I need to pay my bills tomorrow. And you're expecting your friend to say, hey, how much do you need, man? I'll lend it to you. Don't worry. As a matter of fact, I'll give it to you. And then they're like, I'm going to pray for you. You're like, shut up. <laughs> you know, it's not the most satisfying answer. And the worst part is they probably won't pray for you. <laughs> I'll pray. They usually don't sex, but they should. Anyway, God says, this is reply. I'm going to help you in your area of need. When you don't know how to pray, I'm going to help you. How am I going to do it? I'm going to pray for you, says God. You're like, what? You too? I got enough people praying for me. Now you tell me the Holy Spirit wants to pray for me? That's not the answer we want to get, right? And this is the crazier part. He doesn't just say, I'm going to pray for you. He says, I'm going to pray for you with unutterable groanings. So if he prayed in a language that you understand and it made sense, you might be able to do something about it. But he's actually going to pray in a way that you don't even get it. You're like, what the heck is that good? Just picture this. I mean, it's kind of funny because if you went up to somebody, I'd be like, hey, Sebas, man, I really need your help. I don't know what to do. And Sebas just started going, ah, uh, uh, uh. I'll be like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, dude, shut up. You're like, you're not my friend. Like, right? That's what you would think. And literally God is saying, that's how I'm going to help you. You're like, what? How does this make any sense? Right? Is it crazy? Isn't it sound hilarious? It's like, God, what are you doing? Now, I want to read to you what that word means, groanings. Okay? It's actually a word, stenaos, or the word stegnamos. It's two words in, in Hebrew, in Greek, sorry. And they mean this. They mean a sight. When you go, <sighs> you ever done that? <sighs> okay. Groans. Right? Groanings. Crying. Or crying out, not be boxed, yelling. <laughs> but in essence, it means a pulsation of air, air coming out of your body with a noise that cannot be understood, with a noise that doesn't make sense, with something that is not words or understandable words. The Bible's telling us that's how the Spirit prays. And that's why I said, that's why I call it praying in the Spirit. The equivalent to praying in tongues. If you ever prayed in tongues, do you understand it? No. Do other people understand it? No. Does it make sense? Nope. You're like, why do you do it? I don't know. Most people don't know why they do it. They just, they were told to do it. So they start doing it. And they usually will not do it unless the pastor's in a service fire God's moving. Pastor thinks he's anointed and he starts praying for people. They're like, pray in the spirit. You know, then you will do it. But other than that, most people don't do it. They don't know what it's for. They don't know how to use it. And they're just like, whatevs, right? So I'm giving you understanding as to what it is and why to do it. So basically, praying in tongues or praying in the spirit is allowing the spirit of God that lives inside of you to pray a prayer for you. On your behalf. The good thing about this prayer is the perfect prayer. Why? If you pray in English or if you pray in Spanish or whatever language that you speak, you're not praying the perfect prayer. You're praying what you think you need. 
But most of our prayers are out of the will of God. But when you're praying in the Spirit, even though you don't understand what you're saying, it's the perfect prayer. Because the Bible is telling us that the Spirit knows all things. He knows the depths of your heart. He knows what the will of God is. And he prays always aligned to the will of God. I'm going to read to you that in a second. But sounds don't make sense. And that's fine. Listen, I have two kids. I just had a baby. Uh, his name's Judah. And Judah, he cries. It's the, at least my daughter, Shalom, she speaks. Judah doesn't. He just cries. He's like, Wah! And somebody goes, Wah! Right? And somebody goes, somebody goes Wah! So depending on the noise, I have to kind of interpret what he's doing. So if I ever hear a bleh, I think he's throwing up, right? So I run over there and I make sure he's not going to choke on the vomit and I clean him up. If I ever hear I know he wants his mom, right? If he goes, ah, I think Shalom's about to kill him. She's on top of him or the dog is on top of him, right? I, I kind of know how to interpret the different sounds. Now, I'm just a guy. The reason why I say that are women are so much better at this. Like I've seen women do the impossible. It's like, they hear him crying. It's like, I think his right pinky hurts. I'm like, how the heck do you know that? Like, it's impossible. But they do. They just know more stuff than we do. For some reason, I guess they're the mom. They're always with the baby. I even met this mom. She had triplets. And we were in the other room. And she's like, oh, so-and-so is crying. I'm like, how do you know? It's, there's three of them. It's impossible. And she knew which one was crying. What they wanted. It, it was really amazing. Why am I telling you this? If as a parent... By making some level of noise that most people would not understand, you get an idea of what's happening to your kid. How much more God that knows our thoughts, knows our emotions, he knows our struggles, he knows our battles. Man, he even knows all the bad things that are inside that you might not even know about. Because you have anger inside that you don't know about. You have wicked desires that you don't know about. You have fears that you don't even know about. And you only come to find out when you face certain situations and stuff comes out of you. You're like, whoa, that was me. I'm scared. He already knows all those things. And you know how those things come out? You know how you pray about those things? And you know how God deals with them? With those noises, just like your child. And so sometimes when we're praying in tongues, people don't understand it. You don't understand it. There's a lot of people that told me. I said, do you speak in tongues? Well, I received that one day you prayed for me. I said, have you been doing it? No. Why? Because I don't know what I'm saying. That's fine. I wouldn't tell my daughter to stop crying because I don't know what she's saying. I'd rather her cry than not cry, right? Because at least I know something's wrong. And so where I'm going with this is God understands those noises. God understands those sounds. And I want to read to you a little bit uh, here of, of Scripture. But the Bible's telling us, it says, And the Father, verse 27, who knows all hearts. In other words, he know, the Bible says that he that he searches the depth of the heart. He searches the depth of your person, of who you are. So the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. So what I'm trying to tell you is that when you're making those noises, the Spirit is actually speaking. And even though you don't get it, people don't get it, and it doesn't make sense, and it cannot be pronounced with words, your Spirit is speaking. And the Father who knows your heart and who knows everything about you knows exactly what the Spirit of your, sorry knows exactly what the Spirit is saying, even though you don't get it. And look at this. And the Spirit of God pleads for us, prays for us, intercedes for us, the believers, in harmony to God's own will. Isn't that powerful? 
And the reason why that's powerful is because Jesus said himself, we also read in the book of James, that whatever you ask for according to the Father's will, it will be given to you. That's powerful. Because to put that into perspective is basically telling you, when you acknowledge that you need God in any area of your life and you show yourself weak and you humble yourself in that area, God's going to begin to pray on your behalf for whatever you actually need in that area. And because it's the perfect prayer, the Father's going to hear it and He's going to grant you what you need in that area of your life. So you already know that you're going to get something good. You just don't know what it looks like. I remember when the Lord told me, come to Calgary. And I just knew that I knew that God was speaking to me. And I, started, I told my parents and I told them. And people were like, are you sure? It's so cold over there. You're going to freeze. Heck yeah, it's cold. Uh, other people told me, they're in a crisis. People are losing their homes. Nobody has a job. It's really bad over there. Everybody who moves there moves back. You're probably going to be there three months and you're going to want to come back. And people told me all this bunch of stuff. And I'm back in prayer. I'm like, God, what the heck? You tell me to move there if I'm going to just come back. You know, and I had all these things in my head. I, not to brag, but I was one of the first ones that moved, at least from the last wave of immigrants. I know there was a previous wave, Gina, but, you know, from the second wave, you know, I was the pioneer. And I didn't know much. I, I knew them, but I didn't even know they lived here. Like, there's people that I knew, but I didn't know they were here. So I thought I was, like, coming by myself. I did not know for a thousand years that this is a city where God was going to bless me spontaneously and, and exponentially that he was going to open up doors of business and of people and where lives are going to be transformed and where he was going to give me land and property i didn't know that i just if i had heard people it's like don't go there it's cold it's bad it's a crisis everybody's bankrupt everything's messed up and sure enough when i came that was true it was pretty bad but that wasn't his plan for us. He brought us here to be a blessing and to be blessed. And we've not only been blessed, but the people who have gotten around us and people we've been able to spend time with, they've also been blessed. And today, it's a city where a lot of people want to move. But when I got here, it wasn't the case. People were leaving when I got here. I remember the first time I got here, I said, why did you move here? Everybody's leaving. I'm like, what the heck? Not everybody wants to come. What I'm saying with this is, you can't go by circumstances. You got to go by what God tells you. And what God tells you, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's contrary to logic. Sometimes it's not even part of your plan, and that's okay. Because the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. This is Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, there are plans to bless you, not to curse you. There are plans to give you a future and to give you a hope. How do you get to know those plans? You literally got to go to God and say, this area I don't know what to do. Even if you think you have a good plan, just say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need you. Teach me. I surrender. I suck at this. You know better. You're my creator. What do you want? Then you start praying in the spirit. And so what happens when you pray in the spirit? I just mentioned to you that the Bible says, the father who knows all things, he knows what you're praying about. And, and you're pleading according to God's own will. So I want to give you an example of what that looks like. But sometimes you're praying in the spirit. And all of the sudden, and this might have happened to you, you get filled with joy. If you've ever experienced the joy of the Lord, you know, you're crying, you're broken, you're messed up. You're like, God. And all of a sudden, you start laughing. Or you feel happy. Or you feel good. And you're like, what? That's weird. I was just crying. I was just broken, about to shoot myself with a banana. Right? Like, I, I wanted to end my life. And now you have joy. That's weird. 
Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. As a matter of fact, sometimes in services, people get ministered and the joy of the Lord comes over and they pass out, they roll on the floor, they laugh for two hours, they're drunk after, you have to carry them to the car. I've seen that many times when I minister. It's the joy of the Lord. I can't explain it. But the joy of our Lord is our strength. Sometimes the Holy Spirit ministers to you with peace. So, you know, you're expecting, you're like, God, I come to you, change my situation, and nothing changes. You know what happens? You just get happy about it. Happened to me this week. I got a big fine, $14,000, because I, I, I'm late on a contract that I had to fulfill a couple of weeks ago. I got fined fourteen grand. i would be pissed off. But we had worship night last night. So I came to worship. I'm like, <laughs> I lost fourteen grand. And I was happy. And I'm like, what the heck is wrong with me? I'm supposed to be pissed, but I'm not pissed. I'm happy. Not because I lost the money, but I know God's going to do something. I don't know what it is, but hey, he's going to pay for that and more. I just know it. I've seen him do it. So it's kind of crazy because you start acting not according to circumstances. You start acting based on what your faith is. You have a situation. You have no peace. You can't sleep. You don't know what to do. And you pray about it and you pray in the spirit. And all of a sudden, the Bible says he gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And people say, what are you going to do? That's terrible. And you're like, I don't know, but it's okay. Like my entire apartment's flooded, Gina. But I'm happy about it. I don't know. You know, you just get a piece about it that does not make sense. But you know that you know that you know that he's with you and it's going to be okay. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Or maybe you're there and you feel weak. You want to give up. You want to throw in the towel. You're like, I can't do this anymore, God. And all of a sudden, you feel a strength coming. A supernatural strength. And you're like... I'm going to finish the race, man. I, I'm just going to go through with this. I'm going to do it. And you don't know where it came from. But that's, what this, that's how the Spirit of God replies to us many times. When we're praying in the Spirit, He's praying the perfect prayer. And sometimes inside of us, because He is inside of us, He begins to minister to our soul. And hope comes. Strength comes. Vision comes. Desire. Passion gets awakened. The love returns. You don't know, but it's the Spirit of God's doing. And He's moving inside of you. Sometimes it's faith. And what I mean by faith is, for say, maybe you're in a situation, you don't know what to do, and the natural don't add up, and God tells you, just do this. And sometimes what he's asking you to do is kind of stupid because it's contrary to logic. I'll give you an example. One time I was going to another town uh, in Colombia, and I had to go minister to some people, and the car was very low on gas. So I kept driving, driving until I found a gas station. I couldn't find a gas station. So I pull up, and I, and I asked this one guy. I said, hey, where's the nearest gas station? He's like, dude, there's, like, where you're going? No way. You got to go back, like, one hour. I'm like, really? My light is on. Car's about to die. It says I have 10 kilometers left. I'm like, dude, that's it. I'm done. I said, God, what do I do? Do I go back? He said, no, go minister to my people. So we kept driving. That doesn't make sense. How are you going to keep driving with no gas an hour more? Away from the gas station. That's totally stupid, right? But the Lord said, just go. Now, we went. We ministered that day. A bunch of people got deliverance. God healed a couple people. Many people came to the Lord. And then I said, okay, I'm going to have to sleep here because I clearly have no gas. So when I go and turn on the car, the car has a half a tank of gas. I'm like, How do you have? What? That doesn't make sense. But it happened. I drove back. And I drove for like two more days with that gas. Hallelujah. Save some money on gas. But more than the miracle, what I want to highlight is faith. 
Why? Because all of a sudden, you have the audacity to believe for something that doesn't make sense. I remember one time I was praying. I had to pay my college tuition uh, $21,000 on Monday. You know how much I had on Friday? Five hundred. And I'm praying for a miracle. I'm like, God, I need $21,000. I need a breakthrough. And so I go to church, and I'm like, man, somebody's going to bless me. And guess what happened? During service, I don't even know what the lady spoke. It was a lady preaching that day. But all I kept hearing in my spirit, give the 500 bucks. Give the 500 bucks. Give the 500 bucks. And I'm fighting with God. I'm like, no. I'm like, dude, right now I need 21. Well, I need 20 and a half. If I give the 500, I'm going to need 21. Like, you're not helping. Anyway, it was so strong that I literally got up and I'm like, I gave everything I had. And then I walked back and I said, God, now I need the whole money, you see. Next day, somebody asked me, hey, can you go translate at this event? I'm like, I didn't really want to, but I'm like, sure, I got nothing better to do. I'm not going to college anyway, right? I'm broke already. <laughs> so I, I went to translate at the event. While I'm translating, at the end of the event, this family, I've seen them once in my life. I didn't even know them. They walk up to me, and the guy says to me, hey, are you planning on going to college? I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, what do you want to do? So I tell him. He's like, oh, and uh, how does that work? Do you have to pay? I'm like, yeah, actually, Monday I have to go pay. He's like, yeah, I know. God told me about it. I'm like, really? He's like, yes, he told me to help you. I'm like, Really? I'm getting excited. I'm like, this guy's going to give me a thousand bucks. Like, for some reason, I just had a thousand dollars in my head. I'm like, yo, I'm going to get a thousand dollars. So I'm like, I still need 20, right? Anyway, he says, how much is it? I'm like, it's like 21 grand. He's like, okay. Yeah, God told us to help you. I'm like, all right, let's do it, right? I'm happy about it. Anyway, takes out a checkbook. How much was it? 21, $21,000 check. Here it is. Go pay for your school. I passed out, dude. I fell on the floor, cried, shook for like 30 minutes. Oh, my God, you're so good. Uh, you know, that's happened to me so many times in my life. It doesn't make sense to give 500 when you need 21.5. But you, you're already in the hole. You might as well give it. But faith comes. You say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. But if you're telling me to do it, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to believe you. And that only happens by praying in the spirit, not in logic. Not just praying, God, give me 20 grand, give me 20 grand. Because you're not going to give if you pray that way. But when you're praying in the spirit and God puts a sensing, he, put, he puts a, 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 a conviction in your spirit, and you just know that you know that you know that it's God. You know, sometimes I've had it where, let's say I'm doing counseling. I'm talking to a guy. And he's like, my wife's never going to forgive me. She left me. She took the kids. This has beyond repair. Pastor, I don't know what to do. And we start praying. And I pray for the person. All of a sudden, they get a vision. And they start crying. I'm like, what happened? He's like, I just had a vision. I saw my kids. You know, I have two kids. As a matter of fact, I saw myself with two more kids and the same wife like 20 years down the road. And we were older and we were together. Pastor, God's going to fix my marriage. How do they get the faith? They saw a picture of something that is impossible, but God showed him a picture. And all of a sudden, they can believe for something that they didn't believe before. You understand what I'm saying? This is how the Holy Spirit works, guys. He gives you visions which is those pictures or those little videos that play inside. Sometimes it's dreams. Sometimes it's a word that comes into your spirit. How do you know? It's not necessarily an audible voice, but it is a voice that it's like if somebody told you and you just knew it. You don't hear the person, but it's almost as if you remembered that somebody told you something and you know that is true. 
Sometimes it is an audible voice. Nobody else will hear it, though, but you. But you're like, what? You talking to me? God talks in so many different ways. But the, the way that he does these things is mainly when we're praying in the spirit. And this is why I was telling you, a true worshiper, somebody who surrendered and who prays in the spirit continuously, those people will see the highest levels of glory. Those people will get, will get the highest levels of visitation and of God moving. And this is why some people are like, God told me, God said, God showed me in a dream. God, and you're like, shut up, yo, why are you trying to show off? No, it's real. And not only is it real, it's for you. This is the kind of relationship that God wants to build with you. You know, I have two kids. And I don't want, for example, Shalom to be the messenger of Judah. Imagine if Shalom came and told me, Daddy, Judah's saying that he's hungry. If you can buy him something. No, I want him to run into my room and be like, Dad, I'm hungry, right? I want to have a personal relationship. I don't want no mediator. But most of us want to use a mediator. Pastor, can you pray for me? Because you got the red phone line. You know, you got straight line to God. And so he's going to hear. Or I'm going to send my request to the prayer group. And guys, can you help me pray? But you're not even looking for God yourself. God is not looking for somebody, you know, to third person you. He wants a personal relationship. This is why he gave you the Holy Spirit, guys. And this is why the Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf. We're about to finish, so can you help me, guys, with some worship? But I want to read to you one last thing. We're done with this. The future glory. This is 1 Corinthians 14. Go in the Bible to 1 Corinthians 14. The Bible says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Oh, no, I'm lying. Sorry. I'm not lying, but wrong, wrong text. <laughs> this is Romans 8. Romans 8, sorry. Romans 8, 18. So it's just a, a few verses before uh, what we just read. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. For all of creation is eagerly waiting for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when we will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all of creation has been groaning. What groans? Creation. creation. The Spirit. Right? This could be reading. In pains of childbirth up to the present time. And we as believers also groan. Say with me, groan. Groan. Okay? We as believers have groanings. Remember those sounds that we were talking about? Okay. Check this out. Where am I? Okay. Uh, and we as believers also groan. Though... We have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We wait, or we too wait with eager hope for one day when God's will will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. Uh, we are given this hope when we are saved. And if we already have something, we don't need to wait for it. What is the Bible talking about? This is the verses right before what I was just telling you, that the Spirit intercedes. And basically, to put it into context, the Bible is telling us, we live in a fallen world. In this world, there's suffering. There's decay. It's a world of sin. It's a world where situations are sometimes tough. And where life is not necessarily easy. Do you agree with that? Yes? Is that the kind of world you're in? Heck yeah. Okay. 
Most of us pray for God, God change the world. God feed everybody. God change this person. Listen, that's not going to happen. It's not going to get any better. Can I tell you that? It's not going to get better. And this is why it says, we eagerly await the future glory. What does that mean? The future glory, there will be no tears. There will be no suffering. There will be no crying. There will be no death. There will be no sickness. That perfect world you pray about is not here. You will go to it eventually. But there's never going to be La La Land. It's not going to be heaven. It's a fallen world. But the Bible says, but, and we groan. Why? Because we're in a fallen world. Because we suffer. Because there's sin. Because so many situations and problems. We groan. Right? And we want the future glory. Oh, when I get to heaven, it's going to be perfect. Yes, it is. But it says, but here on earth, you receive the Holy Spirit as a taste of the things to come. What is the Bible telling you? It's like Costco. Did you ever go to Costco and get the samples? You're like, hmm, this is tasty. Where is this? And you go buy the box. Why do he give you the Holy Spirit? Because he wants you to get an expectation of heaven. And so here, when you groan, God says, you know what? You're not in a perfect world, but I can do a miracle for you. I can intervene in your situation. I can bring favor. I can help you. And so what God does, he doesn't remove all the evil in this world. He just does things that make you realize how much he loves you. And so maybe, yes, the doctor told you you have cancer and you're going to die. And maybe you are sick. But God heals it. Maybe somebody told you it's impossible and it said no and your paperwork is not going to come through and it just can't happen and your case is messed up. But God says yes. Or maybe in that relationship there's nothing to be done and the person says this is it. It's over. But God does something. You know, the expectation we have of perfection is not going to happen. But the Holy Spirit gives us a taste of glory. And so when you surrender an area of your life to God, when you groan and when you allow the Holy Spirit to intercede for you, God can begin to answer things that He prayed for. That you didn't even, you say, I've never prayed for this. And you're right, you didn't. You know who prayed? The Spirit within you prayed. I've seen so many miracles, guys, that I didn't have the faith for. Honestly, if it was because of me believing, I wouldn't have seen 10% of all the things that I've seen God do in my life. But I have seen a lot of miracles. Not only I've seen, I continue to see a lot of miracles. And I'm like, what God? I didn't even have faith for that. But guess what? I was praying in the Spirit. And therefore, God's Spirit within me prayed for something that maybe I wouldn't have prayed for. God's Spirit inside of me believed for something that I had no faith for. Do you understand? Let God do the praying. Let the Holy Spirit intercede for you. Don't just say, I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I don't understand. Because I'm not feeling it. Shut up. Pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit. Whenever. Get in your shower. Pray in the Spirit. When you're taking a dump, pray in the Spirit. Because usually we're just there, social media in, you know, for 25 minutes. Pray. When you get in your car on your way to work, instead of listening to garbage, put some instrumental music. Hard words, just start praying in the Spirit. When you don't know what to do, you're in a hard situation, you're confused, and maybe things haven't gone your way, like it's been happening to me a little bit lately. Just pray in the Spirit, because I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is bigger than me. How do I get myself in this mess? I just start praying, because you know what? I don't know what to do. But He gives me joy. He gives me peace. He provides it. 
you will be surprised at the things that God will do for you. And you said, God, I never prayed for this. But he's going to say, but I did. Because where there's not a way, he will make one. When you have no hope, there is hope. When you feel weak, he can give you strength. God can do things that we don't even expect. And when he prays, he's praying about those things that you know. And you might be there and you don't know what to do. And all of a sudden just hope comes or faith comes or he shows you something. And all of a sudden you start believing something that seemed impossible. And you start telling people. I don't know if it ever happened to you. But you tell people like, this is going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. This is what God's going to do. And people just look at you like, what kind of weed are you smoking, right? Like, no man, this person is like on next level stuff. And what they don't understand is that it ain't no weed. It's the Spirit of God that spoke to you. I've had so many people laugh at me. I've had so many people tell me, Dennis, you're crazy. And you know what their favorite one was? You're immature. That's why. That's not how things are. That's not how things work. I said, okay. But I have a word. And I've believed. Dumb story, but I one day walked into a creditor's office. I said, how can I get a mortgage? I said, let me see your credit. Let me see your bank statements. Tell me how much you make. He looked at it. He kind of laughed. He's like, Dennis, this is really bad. <laughs> I said, but God told me I was going to buy a house when I got married. He's like, it's impossible. Like, work on this for the next two years. Fix your credit. Pay this off. Find a different job. But I was a pastor, so I didn't want to leave the church. But, you know. Do a lot of different things and maybe in a year and a half, two years, come see me and maybe we qualify you for like nothing. And I left sad. Literally, I was sad. I walked away. I went back home. I went to pray. I'm like, God, this sucks. I'm so broke. And when I prayed, I felt the Holy Spirit show me. He said, I told you you were going to buy a house. I didn't tell you to go ask if you could buy it. I told you you were going to buy it. And so faith came in me. I went back to the same office. And this is what I told the guy. I said, I don't want you to tell me if I qualify or not. I want you to tell me what I need to qualify. So because whether you like it or not, I'm going to buy. He's like, he kind of looked at me like, he's like, well, your credit needs to be this high. You need to make this much. You need to do this. Three months later, I was buying the house. I didn't have the credit. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the down payment. I had $40,000 in debt. And three months later, I had $35,000 in down payment. I had zero debts. I had a higher income. And I qualified. And when I got married, we bought our home. We never lived in it, but at least we bought it. Because <laughs> God moved me here. You lived in it. And it didn't make sense. And it was impossible. And people laughed in my face. But I chose to believe what he said. And just like that, I've seen it in so many areas, guys. I want you to experience the same thing. I want you to know that God loves you. God speaks to you. God will show you things that will not make sense. And people will think you're crazy. Some people will think you're stupid. Some people will think you're immature. That's okay. Just believe him. Do you know that the day I saw my wife, I started walking by, and God said, that's your wife. And I told everybody, that's my wife. People laughed. As a matter of fact, she didn't even want to be my wife. She moved away just so she didn't have to be close to me. 
Her family didn't like me. Sebas, sorry to point you out, but he didn't even like me. And after seven years, when she said, I'm never going to be with you, she moved to Canada. And she said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be with you. You know how many people laughed at me? My own parents were like, Dennis, you're stupid. Move on. My own friends, everybody, they thought I was crazy. God's instructions don't always make sense, you know. And when God tells you something, it might be unbelievable. It might sound crazy. It might sound dumb. It might sound naive. But it's the real deal. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the past, the present, and the future. And he has good plans prepared for you. I can tell you that. Not because I've read it in a book, because that's been my life since I started following him. It has not been easy, I can tell you that. It's been hard, actually. And a lot of up and downs. And not everything in my life is perfect. Like I told you, just this week, find $14,000. It's not easy. Not everything goes well. Sometimes it's tough. There's so many things that have not gone my way. But in all, I have seen God's hand. I have seen his favor. I have seen him open up doors. And the things that the devil brought into my life to destroy me, God has turned it around to bless me. And so it's not going to be perfect. I'm not, not going to lie to you. Being a Christian's hard. It's no different than being a regular person. It might be even harder to be honest with you. Because you can't do all the wrong things that everybody else does to get out of trouble. You got to face it. And take the hits. And pay up. Some people say, oh, I got money to pay you. As a Christian, you still got to pay even when you lose money. Like, it's tougher. But guess what? He'll make a way. If you have a word, if you go to him, if you surrender, if you ask him, he will have mercy. He's a good God. He's a loving father. You know, sometimes I get mad at my daughter. She doesn't always obey me. But there's not been one time where she's asked me for help where I said, I'm not going to help you. You know why? Because I love her. Even the day she misbehaves, I still feed her, you know. Even when she misbehaves, I still give her a kiss and I tell her I love you. Even when she misbehaves, I'm still thinking about her future and her well-being. Even, as a matter of fact, when I spank her, because I have spanked her. I'm not doing that because I'm pissed. I'm doing that because I love her and I want her to do better. God is a loving father, guys. You need to know that. And last verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. But I don't understand what I'm saying. Some people tell me, I don't understand. That's fine. Paul didn't either, and he was a G. <laughs> he wrote like half the Bible, or 30%. <laughs> New Testament. Established churches. Traveled the world. He was bold. He was courageous. He did so much. And he didn't even understand what he was talking about. He was just praying. Verse 15, well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit. So in other words, he's saying, I don't understand. What am I supposed to do? I will keep praying in the Spirit, even though I have no clue what I'm saying. That's fine. I'm going to keep praying in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words. And the reason why I find this important is because he says, first, praise in the Spirit. Then he prays with words. Most Christians, they pray in their words, and rarely ever, only in a revival service, do they ever pray in the Spirit. And God's saying, no, 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 it's the other way around. Praying the Spirit, when? Most of the time. As a matter of fact, all times, in season, out of season, whenever you can, pray in the Spirit. And sometimes, use words. It's also good. Just tell God how you feel, what you think, what you want. That's not a bad thing. But mainly, pray according to the will of God. Lastly, he says, 
I will also pray in words that I understand. I will sing in the Spirit. And I will also sing in words that I understand. The conclusion is, let the Spirit intercede for you. Let Him talk. Let Him sing. Sometimes when we're in worship, we have lyrics on the screen. That's great. When the lyrics go off, I see people going like this. Don't do that. You know what you do? You start worshiping in the Spirit. And you don't know what you're saying, but you start worshiping. You say, Rabbi, Sanda, Rabbi, And you let Him flow. Worship in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Do it continuously. You don't know what you're doing. But another part of scripture, a few verses before what I just read to you, the Bible actually tells us, he who prays in the Spirit is talking directly to God. He who prays in the Spirit is edifying their spirit. So your spirit's getting stronger and you don't know it. And all of a sudden, the stuff that was a temptation to you, it's no longer a temptation. I see a lot of Christians say, man, this is so hard. I struggle. This is tough. And sometimes I can't relate. And not because I'm incredible person I'm like that's weird I, I don't have those temptations and what I've come to realize it's only because I've been praying in the spirit because when I don't guess what I am tempted by those things so what I realize he becomes strong in me the Bible says in your weakness I will be strong it's the spirit of God and so pray in the spirit when you feel like it, when you don't. In the good days, in the bad days. When you're crushed, when you're whatever. Just let him pray for you. And not only make noise, because some people think it's making noise. No. Have understanding. You say, God, I don't know what I'm saying, but I know the Spirit of God is asking for the perfect prayer. And just be open to get a vision, to get a word, to get a direction, for your faith to be built up, for you to be challenged. Or maybe nothing. Because sometimes I pray in the Spirit nothing happens. But I can't just say nothing happened. I say thank you for that prayer. Because I don't know what it's going to do, but it's going to have an effect in due time. And maybe in a day, two days, in a week, a door opens. Uh, somebody does something. Something happens. And you realized you knew what I needed. Why don't you stand to your feet?